When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Welcome to Inside the Cap. I'm your host, Joel Corey. You can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel, that's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L, and also read my regular CBSSports.com column, Agents Take on NFL Contracts and Salary Cap Matters. We're going to be looking at two things uh, this time around, Uh, putting the blockbuster T.J. Watt contract extension into context, and also taking a look at how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, kept the band together in their quest to become the first team to repeat as Super Bowl champions since the 2003-4 New England Patriots. On Thursday, um, T.J. Watt became the highest paid non-quarterback by signing a four-year extension for $112.011 million. The deal averages... Just a shade over $28 million per year, $28.05 million, um, to be precise. That was expected that T.J. Watt would become the highest paid uh, non-quarterback in the NFL. That's not where this deal is groundbreaking. Um, Watt, um, or I should say Tom Condon, um, his agent, the primary agent of record, um, got Pittsburgh Steelers to do something they've never done that they gave conventional contract guarantees. The Steelers typically have been giving just a signing bonus um, is the only true guaranteed money. Maybe in the first year there'll be a uh, roster bonus, which is three to five days after the contract signs. is also considered part of the guaranteed money. But other than that, nothing else is guaranteed. Second and third year, March roster bonuses, um, which supposed to substitute as guarantees. But... What what Watt did was monumental because teams try to hold on, at least my experience as an agent, was try to hold on to contractual precedents at all costs. But they gave structurally, and when they gave structurally, they gave in a huge way. Watt has $80 million fully guaranteed at signing. $80 million fully guaranteed at signing is the most money fully guaranteed at signing for a non-quarterback. The previous high had been Joey Bosa at $78 million. That's the only guarantee is $80 million. That ranks fifth among non-quarterbacks in overall contract guarantees. By overall contract guarantees, that includes money where a base salary is guaranteed for injury, like say a 2023 salary is guaranteed for injury and then the skill and cap guarantee vest at the beginning of the 22 league year or at the beginning of the 2023 
league year. That counts in the overall guarantees, but that technically is not money fully guaranteed at signing. Among what is considered overall guarantees, T.J. Watt is fifth. Um, Joey Bosa has 102 million. Miles Garrett 100. Khalil Mack 90. Aaron Donald 86.92 million. So he's fifth. Now he's got a 35 million dollar signing bonus um, in this deal, and Watt's uh, base salary is dropping down to a million. Um, one thing they did had to add in, so he's not in a worse place by doing the extension than had he played out on his 10.09. Eight million fifth year option. He was eligible for that um, extra game check under the CBA because the fifth year option pre predates the fact he was going to have it exercised. Predates even though the ratification of the CBA. So they add in a 17th game roster bonus. If he's on the roster for 17th game this year, he gets uh, 470,000. I mean 593,471 dollars. That will be a cap charge. If it had been left in the fifth-year option, it qualifies as benefits, not a cap charge. That's not considered a part of the new money in this contract since it was something that is keeping him from being put in a worse position than doing nothing. Now, uh, the signing bonus isn't all payable in a lump sum. That rarely happens, but Watt's getting $10 million of a signing bonus paid Within 10 days of execution of the contract, another $15 million is paid in equal installments over the course of the 2021 regular season. And another $10 million, the final $10 million, on May 31st, uh, 2022. But $35 million signing bonus is tied for the second biggest signing bonus for a non-quarterback. Aaron Donald still has the record at $40 million. Joey Bosa is who's tied... At second at 35 million, Khalil Mack is third of 34 million. Had the Steelers stuck with their conventional contract structure, no guarantees beyond the signing bonus or roster bonus in the first year, that Aaron Donald record would have had to have fallen as an accommodation. Obviously, highest average per year for a nine quarterback. Uh, from a cash flow standpoint, and cash flow is a little bit different. It looks at how you get the money and that ends up including, takes into account what you were already scheduled to make. So from a cash flow standpoint for non-quarterbacks, T.J. Watt's $80 million is the most. Joey Bosa is second at $78 million. Khalil Mack is third at $73.7 million, three-year cash flow. So also looking at first three new years, that does, that's only new money. So the first, the money through the first three new years for Watt, would be money since we're in 2021. His new money through 2024. And usually teams will look at contracts and three-year snapshots. Um, and you thinking, well, he'll play the first three, at most the first three New Year's on the deal. That's not necessarily always true, but that's uh, typically what things are done. He's got $90.961 million, which works out to an average of $30,320,333 with the first three New Year's. Uh, Joey Bosa is second at $87.64 million, which works out to an average of $29,213,333. And then Miles Garrett is third at $80,203,875,000. Um, so that's kind of um, really the lay of the land on how the 
deal stacks up in context. Well, how it breaks down year to year, I said 2021, he's got a um, $1 million base salary in that 17th game roster bonus of $593,471. That means the Steelers are going to pick up a slight bit of cap room in 2021 because um, the signing bonus is prorated um, $7 million 2021 through 2025, $7 million of proration each year. So uh, they pick up just under $1.5 million of cap space from um, the extension because Watt's cap number was a fifth-year option of $10.089 million. Now it's $8,593,471. Base salary in 2022, which is fully guaranteed, is means a cap number of $31 million in 2022 and 2023 salary of 20 million cap number 27 million uh that's where the guarantees run out um last two years base salary is 21.05 million that's in 24 and 2025 so cap number each year is 28.05 million is a is a cap number um for those two years actually I was mistaken um I meant to say that the average of the deal is 28 million 2075 so, um, yeah, slightly over $28 million, not $28.05 million, as I said earlier. Nonetheless, very surprised that the Steelers would do something like this. If they were ever going to do it for someone, it was going to be T.J. Watt, since there's a strong sentiment that he should have been Defensive Player of the Year last year, but was not. Now, the concern about precedent, I've always thought that that argument didn't hold a lot of water wasn't very persuasive to me because teams should be able to distinguish one player from another so your backup quarterback your average starting offensive lineman Juju Smith-Schuster if they re-sign him next year to a long-term deal and he has doesn't have a career year typical structure is what the Steelers should be pointing to now one guy I think this structure is going to affect more than anybody else, Mika Fitzpatrick. Mika Fitzpatrick has been a first-team All-Pro last two years. I'm assuming since uh, that his fifth-year option, he'll be next year. Will be he'll play on the fifth-year option. Same timing as T.J. Watt, that he'll get an extension next year. Let's say he has a comparable year to this year. Another Pro Bowl year could be another All-Pro year. They have a hard time telling Joel Siegel. Um, who is one of the top agents in the business, that we can't do for T.J. Watt for Mika Fitzpatrick. I would be shocked if Joel Siegel agreed to a deal which did not have base salary guarantees. May not have the first three years fully guaranteed, but this will be the next big deal that they're going to have to deviate from the old precedent, old contract preferences, would be uh, Mika Fitzpatrick. Now, there have been some people who were like, oh, well, the Steelers, if they hadn't done this, they had all the leverage. Yeah, you have all the leverage because you can make a player play on a fifth-year option. Not necessarily the smartest thing to do as your best player. They just franchise them two years and go from that. Well, yeah, that works better in theory and practice. You could franchise them next year for it be $18.788 million and then do it again for – $22,545,600. Now I get the first franchise tag is I'm projecting the tag, the tag for linebackers at the $208.2 million uh, salary cap ceiling. Yeah, 
so you could have paid him forty-one million three hundred thirty-three thousand six hundred dollars for 2022 and 2023. You already saw how Ben Roethlisberger and some other players like, pay this man whatever he wants. That's going to go over really well in in the locker room and in free agency You you if you want that strategy. So when people say that, I dismiss it. Because the franchise tag was going to have as much bearing on a long-term deal next year as it did when Von Miller became the highest-paid defensive player or non-quarterback in 2016 when he signed a deal of just under $19.1 million when his franchise tag number was $14 million. So you just throw that, throw that out of the window. Now, one guy who, I, who should be paying attention to this deal uh, from another team, and there are three teams which have had this antiquated um, convention that we don't do anything but signing bonuses in terms of guaranteed money, are, have been the Steelers, Cincinnati Bengals, Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers have made one exception. Aaron Rodgers, conventional guarantees. Steelers made a slight exception with Ben Roethlisberger. Injury guarantees only. Not true salary guarantees. No skill and cap guarantees. Just injury guarantees. They never end up coming into play. So the one guy I'm talking about in Green Bay, Devontae Adams. Um, Devontae Adams wanted to be the highest paid receiver, um, which was... um, which still is DeAndre Hopkins at $27.25 million per year. By all accounts, the uh, Packers have been looking at that as a market anomaly uh, because next is uh, Julio Jones at $22 million per year. When, see, the thing is, if you're going to negotiate a contract off of new money, and the new money is how these things are negotiated, if you're going to look at new money, if DeAndre Hopkins had come in at $22.5 million per year, They'd be okay, fine. You can't take a deal you don't like and take it out of the marketplace. Now, if I'm uh, Devontae Adams, my position is I've wanted to be the highest paid non-quarterback. You can't make the same argument with the T.J. Watt deal that it's a market anomaly. When we're talking how much he moved the market relative to what um, positional market, we're talking pass rushers when I say positional market for uh, T.J. Watt. We're talking a 3.71% uh, increase from Joey Bosa. So you're not talking like what the DeAndre Hopkins uh, move is. is like 23.86%. So that's the one guy I think who should be paying attention to this deal and going, you know what? I want to be the highest paid non-quarterback. And I also want you to break the convention for – me that the Steelers did for T.J. Watt. And if you can't break the convention, you got to structure this contract so player-friendly for me, front-load it, and I want $30 million per year. That's just me. That's what I'd be asking for. Won't get it, but that would be the tact I would take. Now, um, one thing the Steelers also did in this Watt contract structurally, which is surprising, since they gave on the um, guarantees – something they haven't done before, I thought that it might, the rest of the structure might be more backloaded than it is, but it's a pretty strong structure considering that they went to guarantees they haven't done before. Watt, through the first new year, uh, 2022, in terms of percentage of new money, that's something I've always looked at um, when I was an agent. I would When I was trying to see how a deal, I'd want a deal structured, I would look at the percentage of new money through each respective year. And he's at 44.6 
after the first new year, 62.4 after the second new year, 81.2 after the third new year. That that's pretty strong. And kind of as a reference point um, for other stuff like. Before Dak Prescott signed, I was kind of trying to project what a Dak Prescott contract would look like. I would look at the percentages for the quarterbacks who'd signed four-year extensions or four-year deals. So that was like Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, those guys. And now Prescott got done. Um, So if you look at the composite of those six players, the new money percentages are very comparable. The composite of those six guys, the new money percentage, is 44% after the first new year, uh, 61% after the second new year, 80.2% after the third new year. So not only did T.J. Watt get the Steelers to do something historical, breaking their precedent, coming into the 21st century in terms of contract structure with the conventional base salary guarantees, it's 21, 22, and 2023 20, base salaries are fully guaranteed in addition to the signing bonus, which is still one of the bigger ones for a non-quarterback. It's a player, player-friendly player cash flow as well. So got to give T.J. Watt, Tom Condon, an A-plus on this contract. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers got off to a good start in trying to defend their championship uh, in the season opener Thursday night for 39, uh, 31-29 victory over the Dallas Cowboys when Ryan Suckup hit a 36-yard field goal with two seconds remaining in the game um, after Tom um, Brady engineered a uh, come-from-behind uh, drive to put him in position to uh, kick the field goal. Now, the Buccaneers are trying to be the first team since the 2003 and 4 Patriots to repeat, to repeat as Super Bowl champions. Bruce Arians said something a couple of days after the Super Bowl, but he wanted to try to keep the band together. And that kind of raised some eyebrows uh, um, after they defeated the Chiefs 31-9 in Super Bowl 55. And Jason Light, the GM, um, kind of echoed the same sentiments. It's kind of like, oh, wait a minute. You got 25 unrestricted free agents, including several key offensive and defensive starters. Salary cap is going to drop. At the time, we didn't know where the cap would be set, but there had been a salary cap floor set of $175 million. Ultimately, the cap uh, set in set at $182.5 million, which is a $15.7 million uh, drop from where it was in 2020. So it was basically, good luck with that. <laughs> um, now, Tampa was able to do something which is unprecedented in the salary cap era. They were able to keep get all 22 starters to come back. Now, the salary cap dropping also helped them because that meant there was less competition in free agency because other teams had to uh, deal with those same constraints. 
So you didn't have the same phenomenon that typically happens with Super Bowl teams that other teams raid Super Bowl champion in free agency. That's how it typically has been since the inception of the salary cap. Now, the Buccaneers, once the cap was set, basically had about $9.8 million of cap space. So how are you going to get all this to work? So it was, to me, it was, it was a uh, daunting task to try to get to keep the band together and get everybody to come back. Now, the first major decision was who gets franchise tag? Would it be wide receiver Chris, Chris Godwin or was it going to be edge rusher Shaquille Barrett? Now, Barrett was franchised uh, last year for $15.828 million. Um, so sticking a second franchise tag on him would have been a 20% increase over the uh, – tag that he had last year, so his second tag was going to be $20.64 million. He also filed a grievance <clears throat> to be classified as a um, defensive end as opposed to a wide receiver, so if he won that, it would have gone up even more. Um, they decided to go with, um, they actually settled the grievance, decided to go with the wide receiver, Chris Godwin, and his franchise tag number is $15.983 million. and thing is, you once the deadline of franchise players is you don't have to have the cap room at that point in time, um, the early March deadline. You just have to have enough cap room as of the first day of the league year, March 17th, to accommodate that. So that was the first decision to make. Now, in order for them to do this, they're going to have to throw out their convention, their standard contract conventions. The Buccaneers are one of a couple teams, and they kind of pioneered this under Mark Dominic, where they do pay-as-you-go contracts, the Raiders and the Colts, other two teams which like this structure, where you do deals without a signing bonus, and you give guarantees in the contract to make up for the lack of signing bonus and what the normal guarantees would be. Your cash and cap number are the same each year in pay-as-you-go contracts. Now, as long as you don't restructure the contract, then when you cut somebody... Uh, there's no dead money. Um, you can just uh, let them go, and then you pick up, say, guys, a $10 million salary. You haven't touched the contract since it was signed. You get $10 million of cap space. Whereas in a lot of contracts, there's a residual cap charge or dead money because of bonus proration. You don't have that with the pay-as-you-go contracts. Now, problem is you have higher cap numbers um, initially when you go pay-as-you-go. So, it's going to be interesting to see if they were going to deviate from the contract structure. Actually, they threw that out the window. That went out the window real quick. And if you're going to deviate from what you normally do in a contract, to me the time to do it is when you're in your window to win a Super Bowl. But you can't get sucked into the false illusion that you make all these moves to win now and sacrifice the future. Tampa's a team that rarely goes to the playoffs. Um, so... Before this, before last year. So if you got a Super Bowl window, you go for it. So I understand why they do it. Not one of these teams that gets sucked into the false illusion, the trap of mortgaging the future uh, to win now. They won. So they're the defending champion. So anyone's going to do it, they have a right to do it. Now, one of the first things they did was um, a deal with Devontae David, um, where they got rid of the pay-as-you-go uh, structure, uh, which was a little bit surprising. 
um, they decided to, and they also did something that a lot of teams are doing this year. Because the cap going down, you see teams adding dummy voiding contract years um, so they can stretch out any bonus proration. And let's say you have a one-year deal. Then you can add up to four dummy voiding years. And you can take, let's say you had a $10 million signing bonus that would count all in 2021. You can stretch that thing out um, 2021 through 2025. And then you're going to have $2 million of proration count this year. And then when the contract voids on, we'll say, the last day of the 2021 league year, you'll have an $8 million cap charge. So they gave Levante David... A two million, uh, uh, $25 million deal over two years, averaging $12.5 million per year. Now, what they did in this deal is they added the three uh, voiding dummy years so they can stretch out bonus proration over five years. They um, gave minimum base salary this year. It's got $12.5 million total salary, but $11.425 million comes in fully guaranteed uh, bonuses, roster bonuses. So... That gets prorated. So it's like $2.825 million of proration on the cap. So he's got a $3.36 million cap number this year um, on that, that deal. So that was the first sign that they were going to do something different. Now, the next big thing they did was making Tom Brady's $28.375 million cap number more manageable. Now, he was going in the last year of his two-year $50 million deal, which was worth a max of $59 million with incentives. And, and they gave him a one-year extension at $25 million. Brady could ask for $40 million or whatever he wanted to on the extension. But they freed up $19.3 million of cap space by adding three dummy years for the extension, which now his contract, he has two, two years left on his contract. One year, one year plus a new year through 2022. Got a $20 million signing bonus. His $10 million, his uh, $50 million uh, fully guaranteed base salary dropped to his league minimum of $1.075 million. His $10 million fifth day of the league year 2021 roster bonus was replaced for $20 million fifth day of the league year roster bonus, which is fully guaranteed so it could be prorated. So now you got $40 million of proration. And they had to take care of his incentives too. So he earned $3.35 million out of a possible $4.5 million of incentives. And so that was considered likely to be earned. They had to add, couple them with the team offensive statistic, where if they improve in it, he gets the money just so for the ones that was considered likely, classified as likely, so they could turn into not likely to be earned incentives. So they don't count on the cap. So there's no cap charge during the season. And they added a roster bonus, 17th game roster bonus, which is basically equivalent of what his base salary was going to be. So that's about a one million four hundred seventy four hundred seventy thousand five hundred eighty eight dollar roster bonus in each of those two years. It's got a total cap number this year of ten million five hundred forty five thousand five hundred eighty eight dollars. So created mass amount of cap room that way, so they could start. Uh, getting everybody back. Then the next domino to fall was Shaquille Barrett. I was surprised that um, the pass rusher market wasn't as strong as it was. Nobody got close to $20 million per year. He comes back uh, four years, $68 million extension, worth the maximum of $72 million, has $18.75 million fully guaranteed that's prorated over the four real years of the deal plus a dummy year in 2025. So he comes in with a cap number of $5 million. 
Rob Gronkowski uh, came back again, one-year deal, eight million, two uh, million in, in, in incentives. Um, added the four dummy years of him, which void the 23rd day before the start of the 2022 league year. So they can prorate his $6.25 million roster bonus over five years. So that's $1.25 million of proration. It's got a $3 million cap hit for this year. They also found other cap room by doing an extension, two-year extension for Donovan Smith running through the 2023 season. Two-year $31 million extension with $30 million in guarantees. And that frees up $10.6 million of cap space. They did the voiding dummy year thing with him as well. He's got uh, dummy voiding years, 2024 and 2025. So his cap number uh, dropped to $3.65 million. So they're doing a lot of uh, cap salary cap gymnastics um, to get everybody back. Uh, Leonard Fournette, playoff Lenny, and defensive tackle and Dominican Sue also came back. Um, Fournette, one of the few guys that they didn't use dummy voiding years, one year, $3.25 million contract, $4 million max through incentives. He said he turned down bigger offers to come back into being a timeshare of Ronald Jones. Presumably Jones um, fumble didn't play much against the Cowboys after the fumble. Uh, Bruce Arians head coach said mentally he was out of it after the fumble. So we'll see if it's the Leonard Fournette show or it's a true timeshare. Uh, beyond this week, and um, Dominican Sue, one-year deal for nine million, with an additional million in incentives. Four dummy years were added uh, to Sue's contract as as well. So he's got three million dollar cap hit. There's going to be six million dollars of dead money. Ryan Suckup also came back, the kicker. Uh, they hadn't had reliable kickers until they got him to come back. Got him last year. Real no voidable years of his deal. Uh, Twelve million over three years. He made 90% of his field goals last year, so playing for uh, basically league minimum, his league minimum last year. So no dummy years, $3.5 million cap hit for him. And then finally, around Memorial Day, they finally got something done with Antonio Brown, um, who could be – it's going to be hard for Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown to put up huge numbers because that's the most talented receiver trio in the NFL, in my opinion. Brown, in his heyday, um, before the off-the-field problems, and some people may think I'm being generous and just saying off-the-field problems and not going into detail, but he he and Julio Jones were two most productive receivers of uh, the last decade (laughs) once Calvin Johnson retired. So you got three legitimate 1,000-yard receivers, three number one receivers on a team, uh, he came back one-year deal, four million can max out at six point two five million. The cap number is three point one. No dummy years used. He's got nine hundred thousand dollars in per-game roster bonuses, including the uh, bye week, which are considered not likely to be earned because they are also tied to team improvement or his individual improvement in any category. That's why the cap number is three one. He's got um in his incentives. Two million are based on his individual statistics, and the other two hundred fifty thousand is a Super Bowl incentive. But if he gets to seventy or more receptions, or eight hundred or more receiving yards, or has seven or more touchdowns, then there are different thresholds. He'll max out the two million for all that. 
getting all these guys to come back, keeping the team, keeping the band together, was unheard of in the salary cap uh, era. Now, if you look at collectively, Barrett, David, Fournette, Gronkowski, Suckup, Sue, and Brown, they're collectively taking up $24.2 million of 2021 cap space, and their deals collectively average $57.75 million. That was uh, what you call some salary cap manipulation where ultimately they're going to have to pay for it. 2022, they're going to have $11 million of cap charges from Gronkowski and Dominican Sue's contracts voiding, assuming that they don't do extensions before the voids hit. Um, you're going to see, and we know the cap ceiling is going to be $208.2 million next year. In 2023, the cap may start to take off. Eventually, the $113 uh, billion for the TV deals start hitting. And we think speculation or the uh, what people seem to think 2023 will be the first year where um, you'll have the real infusion of uh, the salary cap really taking a huge jump. So they'll be better able to handle massive dead money charges in 2023 and the way it currently stands right now in 2023 they're gonna have a 24 million dollar cap hit for brady uh if he retires just him alone and also you're gonna have uh levante david there's 6.8 6.855 million dollar cap charge for levante david um in 2023 so they'll they're counting on a huge cap jump in 2023 to be better equipped uh, to handle it. Um, so the win- the future is now. This is their window. Uh, Brady, who knows how long he's going to play. Um, I know he's under contract for two years. Wouldn't be surprising if he uh, played beyond 2022. But that is how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were able to keep the band together. Now we'll see if they can fight off uh, – the Green Bay Packers, the L.A. Rams, etc., then probably either dealing with the Cleveland Browns, Buffalo Bills, or Kansas City Chiefs to in the AFC. Should they get back to the Super Bowl to defend their title, which hasn't been done since 2002, since 2004 season when the Patriot, two, Patriots did repeat. But anyway, that is uh, this week's Inside the Cap. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Don't forget, you can find me on Twitter at Corey Joel, that is C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L, and also read my CBSSports.com, CBSSports.com column, I should say, Agent's Take. And goodbye, and we'll see you back here next time.